Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Recording in progress. Hoy, la directora de la OPS. The director of PAHO, Dr. Kaisa Etienne, will be talking about the situation of COVID-19 in the Americas, and she will also talk about the importance of strengthening health systems in the region. With Dr. Barbosa, Assistant Director of PAHO, Dr. Shiro Ugarte, Director of the Department of Health Emergencies, and Dr. Seven Adigeri, Incident Manager for PAHO 2. I invite Dr. Etienne now to share her opening remarks and giving us the uh, welcome. Good morning. Let me thank you for joining today's press briefing. And today I'm speaking to you from Dominica, my homeland, a tiny island. After two consecutive months of decline, COVID infections are increasing in some countries in the Americas. Over the last week, 700,000 new cases and 13,000 COVID-related deaths were reported in our region. We are seeing jumps in cases in parts of Colombia and Bolivia. In the Southern Cone countries, we've seen an, on, up, an upward trend after public health measures were re relaxed. In the Caribbean, while Cuba, Jamaica, and Puerto Rico have reported decreases in new infections, cases are rising in the Dominican Republic, Trinidad and Tobago, and Barbados. The Cayman Islands and Dominica are also experiencing a high number of cases. The good news is that vaccinations continue to pick up in our region. Some 48% of people in Latin America and the Caribbean have been fully immunized against COVID. But coverage is still much lower in some countries and territories. In Jamaica, St. Vincent and the Grenadines and Guatemala, less than one in five people have been vaccinated and protected. In Nicaragua, coverage remains in the single digits. And in Haiti, less than 1% of people 
have been fully vaccinated. This inequity must be addressed. Tao is committed to helping countries in our region secure the vaccines that they need to protect their people. Though don through donations by a COVAX and through direct procurement, we are already working with manufacturers to secure additional doses on behalf of our region. PAHO has signed supply agreements with three manufacturers uh, who are WHO emergency use listed vaccines. And it is in final negotiation with a fourth supplier, a mRNA vaccine producer. Uh, we are doing this to expand vaccine options um, for our countries in 2021 and certainly 2022. We invite our member states to join the initiative using the revolving fund, our established and proven mechanism for equitable access to vaccine supplies guided by evidence-based recommendations. With an eye on the future, we are working directly with public institutions and private companies in Argentina and Brazil to strengthen their capacity to develop and produce COVID mRNA vaccines in our region that will benefit all countries in Latin America and the, and the Caribbean. This is a strategic and long-term project to reduce our vulnerability and dependence by establishing regional capacity for this innovative technology. In the future, this can also help us combat other viral diseases of importance in the region. And we have partnered with the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovation, CEPI, to analyze our region's manufacturing uh, potential and with the hope of strengthening our, our role at every step of the supply chain over the last year and a half. We have seen how the health of our population, the state of our economies, and the well-being of our security and society are interconnected. And, and that's why today I want to talk about the importance of resilient health systems that can help our economies and our societies recover from this pandemic. Health systems have been weakened by the pandemic. As countries worked to quickly build the ICU bed capacity and ramp up hospital services to care for COVID patients, other essential health services suffered. More than half of countries in our region reported disruptions 
to mental health services and routine immunization programs. Reproductive health services, nutrition, care and support for managing chronic conditions were interrupted in more than 40% of countries. These services have one thing in common. They are offered at the first level of care. Primary care, as you've heard us say, say over and over again, primary care is the backbone of our health system. Strong primary care services can meet most people's health needs close to the communities that they serve. It is also at the primary health care level that prevention takes a, a big focus. So when countries deprioritize these services, they leave patients with fewer of the services and care that they need to stay healthy. And that's why building more resilient health systems should start here at the first level of care. This is especially true during a pandemic as it is at the primary care level that COVID testing, contact tracking and tracing and immunizations take place. It is essential to bring more people into the system and to improve access for all. Because even before the pandemic, nearly 30% of people in our region could not access health services because of who they are, where they live, or because the cost was simply too high. To address these inequities, countries must prioritize public investments in their health systems to leave no one behind. Chronic underinvestment has made the Americas vulnerable to COVID-19. Few countries invest as much public spending in their health system as they should, leaving them prone to shortages in health personnel and essential supplies, as well as crumbling infrastructure and underfunded essential public health functions. But we've seen throughout this pandemic that countries can increase public spending on health. Public investments in health during the pandemic increased in many countries to improve health service capacity for COVID-19, to maintain essential health services, and to deploy COVID-19 vaccines. Many governments obtained support for new loans or reprogrammed existing loans from international financial institutions. Several countries are moving forward with special allocations and programs to reinforce health services at the primary care level. Chile, for example, had the highest increase in primary care spending in 15 years. Uruguay approved 
extending national health insurance to workers that lost their jobs. Peru, Peru posted uh, a 13% increase in the health budget to prioritize primary care. Bolivia, Bolivia has pledged that 10% of public expenditure would go to health over five years. But this cannot be a short-term trend. All countries should increase public expenditures for the rest of the recommended 6% of GDP or higher in their health system. And they should ensure that 30% of this funding goes to the first level of care. Increased public investments were key during the pandemic and will be so after it is Financial institutions are making additional loans available and donors are pledging their support. So there's never been a better time for countries to take advantage of these resources to maximize their public investment in health. But it's not just about spending more. It's about spending smart. That is why government's uh, governance is key. Our health systems should be properly managed and guided by evidence to ensure that they are effective and can keep us safe. We also need greater dialogue between health, finance institutions, industry, industrial partners, and as well as civil society. So decisions affecting our health systems reflect the expertise of our health authorities and that health policies are transparent, harmonized, and efficient. Insufficient public investments in health threaten our ability to recover from this pandemic and could have ripple effects for years to come. As economies remain strained, countries face choices about how to spend limited funds. And these are tough choices. But we cannot forget that health is an investment, not an expense. As we learned with COVID-19, health is at the core of vibrant societies. It keeps people working, it keeps kids in school and companies productive and economies growing. Without it, we are more vulnerable to economic and political instability. Now more than ever, we must rebuild with the vision of health for all as our guide. Over. Thank you very much, Dr. Tien, for the update and the strong words. Uh,
Pasamos ahora a las preguntas. Que Now nos... we go to the questions that have been sent by email and uh, those that we are receiving through the Q&A button. Remember to please give us your name and your um, outlet when you send your questions. We begin with one question from Blanca Valadez from Milenio, Mexico. It is about the COVID sequelae uh, among survivors. What uh, conditions are you seeing and which require more attention? Dr. Aldeguerri. Thank you very much um, for your question, Ms. Valadez. This question is uh, closely related to the comments made by Dr. Etienne regarding the resilience of uh, healthcare systems in the complex uh, framework of response to a pandemic and the need of more investment in health. So, uh, yes, there are COVID-19 sequelae, regardless of how severe the initial disease was. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The post-acute phase of COVID-19 is now known as post-COVID-19 condition, and it occurs in people who are uh, who have had COVID, and then three months later, they begin to have symptoms, symptoms which last at least two months, and system, symptoms that cannot be explained otherwise with an alternative diagnosis. Common symptoms include fatigue, uh, breathing difficulty, cognitive dysfunction, but other symptoms as well, which impact daily functioning uh, uh, for daily life. Symptoms can also fluctuate uh, over time. And patients with persistent symptoms, which alter their daily life will experience limitations in self-care, in mobility, and in going back to work, among others. <laughs> managing post-COVID-19 condition requires a multidisciplinary approach based on evidence, which is comprehensive and centered around the patient. 
the implications for health services will be significant and the cost of managing these patients will depend on their need for care as well as the need for specialized rehabilitation and certainly uh, this for a long period of time. I hope I have answered your question, Ms. Valadez. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Aldegheri. Now, we have had many questions also about the approval of uh, other vaccines by WHO, um, patients, or excuse me, vaccines receiving the UL. So we have a question from Ms. Valadez from Millennium. Um, from Mexico about Cancino, about Sputnik, and also Vanessa Davis from Contrapunto, Venezuela, asks about the Abdala vaccines, and also from Web de la Salud in Panama, we also uh, have questions about Cuban vaccines. So maybe, Dr. Barbosa, you could uh, give us an update in uh, where these vaccines are in their process to uh, receive the EUL. Thank you very much for your questions. We need to underline, as always, that all decisions of authorizing vaccines in each country, it is the country itself through their national regulatory authority that makes the decision. So each national regulatory authority makes the decision after receiving the information provided by the manufacturers to make a decision. This is why we have vaccines that have different authorizations in different countries because the manufacturer can uh, provide the information to the country and request uh, authorization for use in children in one country, but maybe they haven't done that submission in another country. So each uh, NRA, uh, National Regulatory Authority, is responsible in each country to evaluate all the data about quality of manufacturing data about clinical essays, about uh, or clinical trials, um, and the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine. So each NRA in each country does this. We work with the national reg, uh, regulatory authorities to go through this process. We have had 60 meetings. Uh, of, of these uh, uh, um, about these topics, about tests, about um, trials, etc. But the ultimate decision it falls to the countries. Now, the uh, EUL process for WHO is not only a bureaucratic process. It's not just that the manufacturer sends a request and the next day they receive approval or not. It is a process that takes time because the WHO team has to confirm the quality of manufacturing for each site that is requesting authorization. They need to review clinical trials to make sure that they are that the vaccines are safe and effective. Last week we had news that another vaccine received the EUL from, oh, it is the Parabiotech Biotech vaccine from India. So this is one more vaccine that is added to the roster of vaccines that we have. And there are still other vaccines 
CanSino uh, Sputnik are under review. Today we don't have a date as to when this will be completed because it is related to the information that is provided and analyzed. If, they if more information is needed, it is requested. Uh, regarding the Cuba vaccine, back, uh, Cuba has had two meetings already with the Geneva team, and uh, at this point in time, they are probably uh, preparing their strategy as to how they're going to request and continue with the process. WHO is available to receive the, uh, the, these uh, requests, and so the idea is to have many vaccines uh, applying for emergency use license, the EUL, because if they have this EUL, they will be able to be uh, acquired, purchased through the COVAX mechanism, as well as through the revolving fund. But granting of these licenses depend on the amount of information and the quality of information provided by the manufacturers. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barbosa. Now we have a question from the Caribbean. Kevin Felmine from The Guardian, Trinidad and Tobago. Infections in some Caribbean countries, what is uh, the mortality rate or likelihood of fatal outcomes among ICU patients in Trinidad and Tobago specifically or and in the wider Caribbean? Uh, Dr. Garte, maybe you can take this question. Thank you. This is um, an important question when we look at the number of cases that have been dropping in most of the countries in the region, but some countries in the Caribbean have shown uh, an increase, although the numbers are still low. Uh, the proportion and the temporality of the, this increase is worrisome for some countries. Most of the countries, though, uh, in the Caribbean uh, show a case fatality rate below 2%. Uh, but Antigua, Barbuda, uh, the Bahamas, uh, Grenada, and Tobago have more than 2 but below 3%. Uh, so that is a departure for uh, many countries that have higher mortality rates. That demonstrates also that the uh, all the measures that have been taken in terms of protecting the population, but also having uh, health facilities, hospitals, and ITU available, and also controlling rapidly when there are some uh, in sharp increase in certain areas, it is it is demonstrating that the, the control of the pandemic in those countries are are quite well. Uh, although, when the when the, the economy is reopening. And there is more uh, uh, possibility of transmission among population, local population, but also international travelers. It is important to keep track of the availability of ICU beds because uh, uh, most of those countries have uh, limited capacity of ICU beds. And uh, although we have been working very closely with many of those countries to increase the capacity of ICU beds, as Dr. Etienne mentioned uh, in, in her remarks. There are still, uh, in some occasions, need not only on the equipment and the ICU beds themselves, but also on health personnel to support and supplies to, to treat the patient. So in that regard, we uh, call for all countries to closely monitor the, the situation 
and uh, to increase the vaccination, to heighten the surveillance to detect also variants of concern, particularly the Delta variant and others, and improve coordination to manage uh, the third wave that is uh, uh, happening. Uh, this situation also is being uh, shown in, in Belize, uh, that is in Central America, but it's a Caribbean country. And uh, the communication strategy in general for the population and for the uh, healthcare workers is uh, paramount at this, at this moment to counter misinformation and disinformation is also very critical using all the means including social media and also of course the official sites of the uh, government thank you thank you dr Ricarte. We'll go back to the approval and now in connection with medicine to treat COVID-19, what could PAHO say in connection with these antivirals? This is a question from Panama and the Monorinavid, the medicine that has been also approved by FDA and now the latest one approved by uh, and produced by Pfizer. What does PAHO think about this? Dr. Aldighieri, thank you very much for your question. The Pan-American Health Organization is following very closely the latest developments, and there are various in therapeutical interventions that have been studied through clinical trials that have been conducted uh, randomly, that includes antivirals such as monotiravic and Saskovit. And uh, we had preliminary results reported that seemed to reduce the hospitalization rate and mortality rate. It is necessary to assess the publication of the results from those studies and a panel of experts to issue in recommendations based on evidence. And in connection with uh, vaccines, the role of the national regulatory authorities for medicines is uh, key in this process. However, it is highly important to underscore the, the availability of those new molecules, which are quite promising does not replace vaccines against COVID-19 that we already have as part of the vaccination activities in the region. Once they have been introduced in the algorithm for the treatment of patients, those molecules will add to other activities such as the vaccination activities that are underway in most of the countries in the region. I hope I have addressed the question by the journalists. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Aldighieri. The journalist is also asking about the deficit of syringes for 2022. And WHO has already expressed concern 
what could happen, what is the reason for this, and what would be the countries that would be the most affected? Dr. Barbosa, do you think you can answer this question? Thank you. PAHO, starting last year, when the discussion started for in preparation for the vaccine had already indicating indicated this problem. Production of syringes all over the world is quite concentrated and limited. And there were problems. There were with the lockdowns, there were problems with uh, factories in India and China. There were problems with the exportation of vaccines, but also syringes from India. So this has led to limited access throughout the world. PAHO through the revolving fund, our revolving fund for vaccines that also offers the possibility to have regional purchases of syringes and other supplies has already established agreements with various producers of syringes for the various vaccines that we are offering for the revolving fund and also through the and there are vaccines more than 100 million of syringes, more than 400 million syringes that are already permitted by the revolving fund, also addressing the request of several countries in our region. It is important to have this planning in um, when we move as we move ahead because there is an increase in the number in the need of uh, syringes and also problems with production. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barbosa. We continue with the vaccines. Thank you. We have started to vaccinate, against, uh, vaccinate children against COVID in the past week. Uh, the question, is this a prior priority? Um, and how is the situation regarding routine immunization in children in the region, in the Americas? Uh, for example, against measles or polio, other diseases. Uh, perhaps, Dr. Etienne, a question for you? So, so, so thank you. Um, let, let me begin by saying that um, each country makes its own decision about which populations to vaccinate. Um, but so far, our, our strategic advisory group of experts has not recommended vaccination against COVID-19 for children. Um, to, to best combat COVID-19, we urge countries to prioritize the elderly, frontline workers, and people with pre-existing conditions. And that's that was the objective of Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, protecting them and also preventing the collapse of the, of the health system um, and they're becoming overburdened. So based on the most robust evidence available, we know that when vaccine availability is low, it is best to protect the most vulnerable first. Once those at greatest risk are protected, the next step is to immunize a high percentage of the adult population. Only afterwards should countries consider vaccinating younger groups. The expanded program of immunization, which is EPI, in the Americas has reported additional setbacks in routine vaccination and the surveillance um, performance. We, we have reached a decline of some 10% in um, what we refer to as DP3. That is the third dose of diphtheria whooping cough and tetanus. This has happened over the last 10 years. But during the early days of COVID-19, we had also seen significant decreases in coverage of routine vaccination. So let, let me make this point and let me be emphatic about it. Unless we improve our routine immunization programs, the region is at high risk of new and re-emerging outbreaks of vaccine-preventable diseases. Our technical advisory group on vaccine and preventable diseases reported that the region is facing an impending crisis around routine vaccination and ongoing attention must be given as a priority to sustaining and strengthening the immunization and other essential health programs. Declining immunization coverage rates accompanied by loosening or cessation of public health and social measures will predictably result in increases in many vaccine-preventable um, diseases, such as measles, influenza, whooping cough, tetanus, um, etc. Let's remember, let us remember that um, our region is the region that has so far for many years hosted the highest coverage in immunization rates. And through this, we have been able to, um, to stop uh, the transmission of many of those vaccine-preventable diseases. It is true that the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic has put an additional strain on the national expanded program on immunization, but also on healthcare systems. Um, while at the same time deflecting considerable resources to the emergency response operation. But 
this opportunity to reinvigorate our routine immunization services. And, and that is what we are working on now. It is essential. It is essential that healthcare authorities, that parents, that citizens take very seriously the access and ensuring that we have coverage, high coverage for immunization services. Else, we are at a risk of losing the gains that we have over time. Thank you, Dr. Chen. We continue with children and vaccines for children younger than 11. We have some follow-up questions, for example, from Uruguay, Busqueda, Federico Guerino. Does PAHO think about vaccinating children younger than 11 with vaccines that are mRNA, that is to say the one that we currently have, and also Another question from Venezuela would have any information on side, diverse, side, side events. And adverse events in the case of children that have been vaccinated. Dr. Barbosa, thank you very much. As the director has mentioned, and as I already mentioned at the outset, this is a decision made by each country information we cannot we cannot opine on what we do not know because the producers provide their information their dossiers the results of the clinical trials to regulators for the regulatory authorities to be able to review them and approve them so this is the way that it happens so each country needs to adopt and review their own decisions from the point of view of the authorization for emergency use granted by WHO. What we have right now is Pfizer that has been approved for teenagers between 12 and 15 years of age. WHO has still not received Pfizer's request for approval of the vaccine in children, Pfizer already requested this to FDA, and they have already requested it in other countries because that is a marketing interest. If a country knows, if the manufacturer knows that a country would like to purchase the vaccine for their children, they do request the authorization there first. So, so far, Pfizer has not authorized use of their vaccine in children. The Moderna vaccine is pending in terms of approval for teenagers between 12 and 15. WHO is reviewing the request, and they're also reviewing two requests to use vaccines in children and teenagers, one by Sinovac and the other one by Sinopharm for children teenagers between three and 17 years of age. So this is being reviewed from the point of view of the vaccines that are authorized for emergency use. There are no vaccines that have been authorized for children and 
but today we don't have it. So this is a decision by the country to be made by the country based on the decision that each regulatory authority received, assessed, and decided to issue an authorization. As to the side effects, there is a monitoring system that has to view all of the vaccines at all ages and the countries report to PAHO. PAHO has established an independent committee of experts to review all of the issues related to the safety of the vaccines. This is an important measure to be able to support the countries. And so far, we do not have reports on adverse, unexpected adverse events as a result of the COVID-19 vaccines in our region. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barbosa. Final question on children. And this is the return to in-person classes. For example, this is a question from Venezuela, Vanessa David. And there have been COVID cases due to the return to in-person classes in Venezuela. Should this uh, decision be changed? And what are the measures that PAHO would recommend? Dr. Ugarte, could you please refer to this? Very well. When classes in person resume, it is expected to see some cases if there is active transmission in the community where the schools, universities, and colleges are. And that increase or that detection at the school level is one of the elements that we have recommended in some cases. When reopening classes in person, it is key for schools and educational institutions to adapt their physical space and ventilation, also to change and alternate break times for the students and also the wearing of masks during class times. And uh, most countries have been disciplined about it. The beginning of classes is also key to reactivate activities in the communities. And to that end, to detect quickly cases and also to be able to reduce community transmission as a consequence is one of the most important recommendations. Also, on top of the measures that I have already mentioned in the schools and different institutions. The next aspect is to be able to timely report to parents and also to the persons in charge of caring for children and also in the various uh, rooms of the schools that have actually had cases for those families and persons to take additional measures. In that connection, the local health system that are going to have more detailed accurate information, the college, the schools themselves implement those measures and we have information that this is being done this way. So if 
the schools, the teachers, the students take this seriously, it is quite likely that in spite of the fact that transmission may continue in the community, the number of cases at the school level may go down and may not have to revert to go back to closing schools. At the same time, if we do clearly detect cases, the room, the classroom where the cases were detected would have would need would call for the quarantine of those students and also follow up of the symptoms to be able to go back to class to the classroom timely. We should also consider that while there are some populations that have not been selected for vaccination, young children could take the infection back home and at home sometimes there are in the, there are members of the family who are older and who may get infected that happened at the beginning of the pandemic and it may continue so care at the school is key with past information for the school staff and also families all of this is key Thank you, Dr. Ricardo. We'll move on to a question by Wiesel from the Welt in Germany. Can you explain between the high level of vaccination and the low number in samples? Uh, Dr. Barbosa? Thank, thank you for this question. Uh, indeed, Sao Paulo is the state with the highest immunization coverage at this moment in Brazil. São Paulo has achieved already 70% of their population fully uh, immunized against COVID-19. Achievement, and the, when we see the increase uh, in immunization coverage and the public health measures as wearing masks and practicing social distancing, we can see reduction in the number of cases. This is happening in many countries now in South America. However, this is not the end of the pandemic yet. We need to be vigilant because we have seen in some countries in Europe, here in the US uh, and in other parts of the world, when, when we start thinking that the pandemic is gone and relax all the public health measures, and we can, we can uh, again, see new increase in the number of cases. So it's important, and the reduction in the number of hospitalization, TV cases, and that is very significant, and it's important to keep this, the, the, this important achievement going on with the vaccination, trying to get more people, yet I, I can see that São Paulo has around 90% of the population with the fifth dose, so it's important to complete the in order to, to, to maintain this reduction. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barbosa. We move on to a follow-up question by Leila Mendieta from El Deber, Bolivia. The question is, were there significant differences between Latin America and Europe regarding the strategies to contain the pandemic. And 
Now, this is because of the rising cases at this point in Europe. Dr. Aldighieri, thank you very much for this question. I am going to focus on making a comment about Latin American countries. First, it is important to recall that in the Americas, we have been fighting this COVID-19 pandemic for 22 months and that the implementation of a regional strategy has been different before and after the authorization of vaccines. This last kind of point in connection with the introduction of vaccination as element took place in Europe and in Latin America in both regions as of early 2020, 2021 rather. The framework used for most of the countries in both regions, Latin America and Europe, to respond to the pandemic is based on 10 pillars, which include, among others, public health measures, such as travel restrictions, international travel restrictions, surveillance and tracking tracing of contacts, enhancement of hospital services and vaccination campaigns. Clearly, we have a universe of 10 pillars, but I have only focused on four central pillars. So the differences have to do more. In, in, once again, we're comparing Europe to Latin America. The differences have to do more with the ability of the countries to implement strictly public health measures in a context of poverty and social inequality in the case of Latin America. And also, this is based on inequality in access to the vaccines in for Latin America compared to other regions. And also, the investment that the countries were able to make in a very challenging economic situation in the case of Latin America. So right now, I think that as reported in several press briefings for two national authorities is to secure a coordinated implementation of public health measures to curb amplification of the virus during risky moments in social life. And I'm thinking about mass events and also to guarantee protection of the groups that have the highest incidence or the highest uh, risk of dying due to COVID-19, and this is, should be done through vaccination campaigns. I hope I was able to offer context and address the question by the journalist from Bolivia. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Aldighieri. We have some questions here in connection with the holidays and festivities, whether PAHO is uh, seeing the possibility of a fourth wave uh, because of the festivities and also in December, then we're talking about Uruguay. The, we have Thanksgiving soon enough here in um, 
the US. This is a general question and in English. Getting COVID, if people travel for family uh, holidays, um, if some family members are vaccinated and others are not, uh, what would be FAHO's recommendation? So, Ugarte, Dr. Ugarte, perhaps you can take a sort of general answer on this one. I can, yes, thank you. Thank you, Lucian. I will answer in Spanish because uh, there are several questions in Spanish. Families enjoy from uh, commemorating these holidays because it is time for reflection, from for gathering. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, the opportunities to gather were few. So today, well into the pandemic, when we have a population or we have populations that have been vaccinated at a high rate in several countries, and when there is a possibility to organize those celebrations in open, more in open, safer spaces with physical distancing and wearing masks, the population has the desire to to gather. And it is possible. It is possible to have that type of meetings and it is possible to celebrate with the family by adopting some measures that we have seen can protect us from the pandemic. The first one and the main one that is proving to be highly effective is vaccination. If you are planning to participate of a family gathering, make sure that you have complete vaccination. If you have received just one dose and have not received the second one, make sure that you get the second dose. And also, if there are individuals from your family that will be traveling, everyone should be vaccinated. That is one of the most important protection factors, not only for you, but also for the members of the family, in particular if there is someone who has not been vaccinated and who may be impacted by COVID-19. The other element is wearing masks in public settings. When one travels, clearly one uses uh, public transportation and uh, we go shopping, we go for a stroll, we go to a restaurant, and it is important to wear a mask most of the time because that is the other factor that is the most important to protect the population from transmission. And on the other hand, if we are able to have individuals who gather together in larger areas that are better ventilated, for example, for Thanksgiving in the US, we are going to have cold weather in most places, it is key, essential to monitor the symptoms that individuals have before, during, and after the trip. Before, because if you have any symptoms, I would suggest you not to travel, not to participate of that gathering. Test, but even with that, it is important to maintain 
the safety of everyone. If you are not completely vaccinated, I suggest you to get vaccinated at least 14 days before traveling, at least have food protection or at least the first dose, 14 days at least before gathering with your family. And on the other hand, once you are there, please follow all of the measures to protect your family and those who are present. There are several generations that gather, the elderly, older adults, young adults and children. Everyone, everyone has to protect themselves during these celebrations. So easing of these um, restrictions could have a cost and sometimes the cost is very high. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ugarte. We have a few minutes left. So we have a question from Peru. Yelson Coyave from El Comercio is saying that Peru is close to reaching 60% of the target population vaccinated. Is it possible to reach herd vaccination and should it be the goal of the countries or for PAHO? And the second question, WHO yesterday talked about second generation vaccines. What should be the characteristics of the new vaccines and how are they going to impact access to vaccines in Latin America? Dr. Barbosa, could you please sum up in some uh, comments and answer both questions? Thank you. Thank you, Luciana. Thank you very much for the questions. So the concept of herd immunity or collective immunity, as we like to call it, was developed for some vaccines and also for well-known diseases, for example, measles. The vaccine we currently have for measles, whenever we vaccine at least 95% of children younger than five years of age, that in collective immunity is enough and the 5% that is not vaccinated is still protected by the 95% that has already been vaccinated. This is well known in the case of measles. For COVID-19, we have different vaccines. That is to say their efficiency and their efficacy is different. We also have different variants. That is to say it is a completely different scenario. We cannot apply that concept of collective immunization, herd immunity to any percentage of vaccination already attained. We do not have the scientific evidence to state that the 70% that was mentioned at the outset of the whole population or 80% that some say in, in some models is enough. We do need to wait longer. What we do know with certainty is that we need to continue vaccinating. The effort made by Peru is highly important, but we need to continue vaccinating to cover all of the groups that can be vaccinated. As to the new generation vaccines, that is to say the vaccines that are trying to develop the capacity to produce antibodies for all sorts of COVID-19 variants. So they are 
trying to find stable portions of the virus that could be protected by these vaccines. And we also heard about new vaccines, for example, vaccines that can be administered through a nasal spray. So there is more than 150 projects for the development of vaccines all over the world, and we are expecting to have those vaccines, but as to the development of better vaccines, a higher number of vaccines, the vaccines we currently have can save lives and control transmission. So we are going to continue with vaccination to expand the most and try to control COVID-19 transmission. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Barbosa. We're almost at the end of our session. We have a question for the end. Tom Phillips, the Latin American correspondent of The Guardian. Uh, Tom would be interested in hearing overall how Dr. Etienne feels about the current moment in Latin America and the Caribbean and the outlook for the coming months. Dr. Etienne. Let me admit that the current moment is still worrisome. Infections are rising in some countries, and the pace of vaccination is not where we'd like it to be yet. In the Caribbean, for instance, we are seeing rising vaccine hesitancy. While many people may be tired of the pandemic, it is not over yet. And, and this is not the time to relax public health and social distancing measures. And, and this is what we are seeing. As for the outlook, with ECLAC, we looked at possible future scenarios for Latin America and the Caribbean um, over probably the next nine months. And we came up with three scenarios including one variation. In scenario A, if there is low implementation of public health and social measures, at the same time as there is a low vaccination coverage, we, we could see high rates of community transmission continue, generating sustained rates of hospitalizations and deaths. In scenario B, we would have an epidemiological situation in which there could be a fluctuation of case incidents. Maintaining adequate levels of public health and social measures over time has proven to be difficult in many countries. So this combined with low vaccination levels would generate periodic increases in cases followed by hospitalizations and deaths. An alternative is that while some countries may not be able to achieve high levels of effective vaccine coverage over time, coupled with low implementation of public health and social measures, spikes in cases would likely arise periodically. And countries in these scenarios are likely to fall back periodically to scenario A fluctuating back and forth depending on each situation. The last 
scenario, scenario C is the optimal one, but where I hope that we all can be. And where we see consistent and adequate implementation of the public health and social measures together with increased and effective vaccination coverage. And that would lead to a situation in which hospitalizations and deaths are reduced over time. And this is the scenario that we aspire to reach. The worst scenario is that with persistent low vaccination coverage, with high transmission rates, that we will continue to see mutations and um, the possibility that we could see COVID entering an endemic situation. And, and this, this really would be one of the worst outcomes that we can see. So my, my appeal is that we cannot afford this. And so everyone must make every effort to halt this pandemic. Go get vaccinated. Please ensure that you comply with the public health and social measures, wearing your mask, keeping a social distance, washing and sanitizing your hands frequently, and um, 